Hello, 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 and welcome into Coach's Corner. I am your host, Coach of Art, as always. I'm back with a new episode, a little bit delayed, but we're still here on a Tuesday afternoon, noon time ish. <laughs> and we're still in the dog days of summer, folks. It's still not a whole lot going on. Not a bunch of thrilling news happening. You know, we're getting some loose ends tied up on. Uh, you know, wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver finally found a home. Running backs haven't signed an extension with their teams by the deadline. And the trade deadline is coming up for the MLB. So we got some stuff to talk about here. Decent amount. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to pick through the news here and find the right stories to get to. It is a challenge in this, you know, mid-July month because we're back from All-Star break. Teams are kind of getting back into that groove of regular season baseball, just night in, night out. And, you know, I'm going to start off with MLB because I feel like, you know, like I said, the trade deadline's coming up and I'm not going to list, I don't think I could list out, you know, a bunch of trade candidates because it feels like a bunch of moves get made and, you know, I don't know half the names and a lot of them are more depth pieces in the bullpen or they're back-end starters. You know, no big-time names are really, you know, been thrown around. I guess Juan Soto, like last year, was a big name, obviously. But typically those moves don't really happen in the middle of the season. Because, you know, it's it's a big taxing thing to, you know, go through a trade of that magnitude on the fly like this. Because, you know... You, you start off the season, you're just playing baseball, you're just trying to get to the all-star break, and you get there, and then you, like, see the trade then line, and it's like, oh, crap, and you have a couple, you know, a couple minutes here and there, or a couple, you know, weeks here and there to, like, kind of maybe this is the time we ship off our all-star, but you never want to make that final move because it's such a, you know, heavy burden, and, you know, you have to be the guy that lives with that, like, the Nationals GM has to be the guy that, you know, lives with, I traded Juan Soto. Um, the Red Sox GM, he has to be the one to live with, I traded Mookie Betts. <laughs> For, you know, Alex Verdugo, who's fine, and then a couple other players that I couldn't name you, Jeter Downs maybe, I don't even know if he was in that deal. Regardless, regardless, you don't want to be the GM that traded the franchise cornerstone, you know. It's <clears throat> very tough to be that guy and to, you know, kind of, Put that label on yourself and, you know, all of a sudden your job's on the line and now you're out of there. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look through some of these teams. I have the MLB standings up on my end. Uh, and we're going to go through some of these teams and, you know, figure out who's going to be the buyers, who's going to be the sellers. Because, you know, some of these teams, if they make the right push, you know, figure out the right position they might need. They can make a run. I'll always look back to the Braves team. Obviously, it, I had a magna, magnified glass on that one as a fan. But that was the best trade deadline in history. Alex Anthopoulos went and got Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, and I can't I can't remember, Eddie Rosario. He got those three guys to plug into the Braves outfield You know, after Ronald Acuna got hurt. And those three guys changed the course of the season. They changed the momentum. They rattled off how many ever wins to go take the division. Then they go make that World Series run and magical. And Jorge Soler, a guy you traded for at the deadline, is the World Series MVP. You know, you can't write it any better than that. You can't have a better trade deadline than that. That's perfectly executed, and that's what Alex Anthopoulos did back in 2021. 
So, you know, trade deadlines can make or break a team. And, you know, those teams that are, like, right on the verge and don't know what to do exactly, this is where you really make your mark. So, starting off in the AL, I mean, the Rays, I would assume, probably want to get more pitching just because teams can use pitching. And the Rays are really good at developing that. They've had a couple arms go down, you know, early in the season. But, I mean, they've held on to this point. Um, funny enough, the Orioles are nipping at their heels. They're one game back here. But, yeah, um, the Orioles, I mean, a team that I just mentioned, obviously they've been sellers. They've been, you know, kind of selling off pieces, but they've gotten returns that have, I think, put them in this position. You know, guys like Unier Cano, who got traded for, I believe, in the Jorge Lopez trade. Um, the Orioles got from the Twins, I believe. Like, that guy is one of the best relievers in baseball this year. And so, you get teams like that. I mean, the Orioles, if they want to go acquire a bat, maybe, puts them over the edge, and they can maybe overtake the Rays, and that would be insane. I mean, Rangers kind of already did a move. They got a role as Chapman to be the closer. He's already thrown the fastest pitch in Rangers history at 103. The Blue Jays. Blue Jays are another team where they could probably use some pitching. Uh, the Astros are a team that always seems like they buy, like they always find that like, you know, notable name that, you know, is kind of on the trade market and they just get that guy and plug him in. Um, Jose Abreu, I don't think has panned out for them this year. So maybe they want to go after someone that, you know, they can stick it there for Abreu and just maybe have him figure it out on the bench or something. I don't know, but that's a team to look out for Boston. You know, they've been on fire lately. The Yankees have been faltering, so they overtake the Yankees. And I don't think we'll ever see the Yankees as sellers, per se, so maybe strike them from the record. Seattle's been turning it around, trying to turn it around at least. And then this is where we get to the sellers range, because I think although the Minnesota Twins are the top of the division, they are the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, Ninth, like, ninth best team in the AL right now. <clears throat> but they're on top of their division, I believe, here. So, like, what do the Twins do? Well, do the Twins unload Byron Buxton you know, with his big contract? Do they try and get the best they can for one of their starters? You know, like, John Ryan at the peak of his, like, probably playing days right now. Like, what do they do? Uh, they have some bullpen arms, too. Uh, Guardians are the same way. The Guardians have... Kind of just always had bullpen arms, it feels like. Good players, uh, good starters, good pitching. Like The Guardians' issues, they can't. They they do a lot of bloop ball on offense. They hit a lot of bloop singles, like not, you know, big home run hitting, you know, or anything like that. They they do the small ball way, you know. It's that whole deal. It's like, you know, I don't know if they have any bats, per se, you want to go get from the Guardians, but their pitching staff is normally pretty dang good, so... They might be a team. Um, a team I skipped over here. Obviously, I think this is like the biggest wild card team. You don't like you don't know what they're gonna go, like what they're gonna do. The Los Angeles Angels. Obviously, everyone wants to see Shohei Otani leave the Angels because they're bad. <laughs> like they just can't, you know, overcome that ineptitude ineptitude that they have. Like they just can't do it. They can't figure out the way to get over the hump. So do the Angels sell on Shohei Otani finally and get that big haul before he potentially leaves them in free agency? I don't know. This seems like 
like this is probably the peak of Shohei Otani's trade value. He has 35 home runs to lead the MLB, and he's also one of the best pitchers in the league. Like this is the type of decisions where you have to figure out. I think I've seen that they're like listening to offers. So, you know, will a team make that big home run swing? No pun intended. <laughs> to go get Shohei Otani, the biggest superstar on the planet in baseball. We'll see. I don't know. I think that they're going to just hold on to him and try and make a wild card push just because I don't think that they have really any other option. I mean, it really is like, do you destroy and gut your entire team while also having Mike Trout hurt, you know, just sitting in the back? Because they do have a lot of sellable pieces, I believe. Like, they have some starters that could, you know, probably be had for some good prospects. And obviously Otani, I've mentioned. Um, But they're also a team that has some really bad, like they have a bad contract in Anthony Rendon. Do they maybe sell off one of their good pieces to attach Rendon to a contract, like to a trade to maybe, you know, get some value back while also getting Rendon off the books? Like Angels have a plethora of decisions to make, and I don't know what the right one is. That's That's how much of a tough spot they're in. And then, you know, you have your usual bad teams like the Tigers, the White Sox, Royals, Athletics. Uh, The White Sox are an interesting team just because they actually do, like, they're not a rebuilding team. They're just a bad team. So they have pieces. Like, they have, I mean, I know Tim Anderson's having an awful year, but he could probably be had. Uh, Lucas Giolito, one of their pitchers. Lance Lynn would probably get a good haul. Like, they they have a number of guys who would, like, probably gladly get picked up by one of these contenders as, depth piece or you know if you're one of those teams that needs us like just a third starter or something if you go unload for Giolito I think that's a decent trade like that's a decent target at least so I don't know it's it's very interesting to see like what these basically from the twins to the guardians is like they're all hovering around 500 but what are they gonna do like what jumps can they make and I don't Unfortunately, being this low in the stand, like the standings, I don't know if they can do that. Like the Mariners, I think have a different bit of an energy because they have a couple of like players that are like big time. Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, like they got names. They just had they just started off so poorly, but they've been picking it up. You know, like that's a team I think that could make a one move and potentially jump up to like one of the better wild card teams. So <clears throat> that's the AL, and moving over to the NL, I mean. Obviously, the Braves are up there. Uh, Braves' bullpen arms have kind of just been... They've been okay. They had, like, this dominant stretch, but since then, they haven't been great. So, they could probably use another arm in the bullpen. I mean, any any team, I think, feasibly, you could put bullpen as a need just because those guys are, like... You can never have too many, you know? I don't think... You know, I don't think anyone's, like... Man, I have 14 killer bullpen arms. I'm I'm just drowning in bullpen. Like, <laughs> no, you probably need another lefty or another righty, a guy that can throw off speed, a guy that can throw 103. You know, like you, you could use a plethora of guys. So, mark that down for anyone. Uh, but the Braves do need another starter. Colby Allard, who just had an awful outing against the White Sox, just got put on the 60-day IL. Michael Soroka, I don't think you can depend on him at this moment. And although Max Fried is making rehab starts in Gwinnett, 
and Kyle Wright is hopefully progressing in his stuff. Like you can't rely on those guys to come back late in the season to be their usual selves or to be, you know, ready for a big high pressure playoff situation. You know, you gotta I think find another arm that can at least eat some innings, you know, get you to the bullpen and hope that your offense has been you know, does what it's been doing. <laughs> you know, it's just I I just a starter feels like a need. Um Dodgers, Giants, and Diamondbacks all fighting in the NL West. I think those it's one of those they those three teams could really use if they like make the right move that could really probably propel them and set them apart from their counterpart. So be interesting to see. You know, Diamondbacks have faltered lately. Frankly, they've been bad. Like just losing the teams that they weren't losing to in the first half. They've been you know dropping those games. So they probably are a team that needs. You know, just a tweak maybe of the pitching staff, maybe the lineup or something. They probably one of those teams that needs to buy. Um, the Brewers, the Brewers are interesting because I thought they were going to be sellers in the off season, and they just never did. And they're on top of their division because the division isn't that good. So, you know, what do the Brewers do? Do the Brewers try and go get one of those guys? Because I mean, they're they're similar to oh, who was it? I'd say they're similar to the Guardians, but they're just a better team, like a better offensive team. Like they have a couple more pops in their bat, where it's like their lineup is fine, but they definitely are more led by their pitching staff. And, you know, obviously they're up here near the top of the NL. But what do they do? I mean, um, the Marlins, Marlins have been, you know, spectacular this year against teams not named the Braves, so. Is there a move they can make that maybe propels them to I don't know, maybe challenge the Braves or even you know just become the best wild card team? Uh, the Phillies, Phillies are. I'm trying to remember if they made one like if they when they made their run last year was it because they made some like trade deadline moves? I I mean they did it in like May like they started turning around but I don't remember if their trade deadline was like one of those where. They made the big swing and changed everything. So I think they already had Trey Turner from two years ago. But either way, the Phillies are a team that obviously I think they could go on a run. They've proven they've done it before. So potentially them. Uh, and then the Reds. The Reds are the last 50-win team in the NL right now. Obviously, Eli De La Cruz is fantastic. And I think you can kind of see that as an organization, they're kind of turning the corner when it comes to like getting wins and whatnot. It's just right now, I think it is still too early. I think their pitching isn't good at all. <laughs> like, their offense is spectacular, but their pitching is dreadful. So, I think that they either need to just, I think, I don't want to say throw the season out the window, but feel good about where you're at. You know, start where you're going to be starting from going into next season. You know, look to your pitching staff, figure out where the issues are there. You know, maybe go to your farm system if there's some guys that are hidden away. If there's injuries that you that I don't know about, like guys that are not pitching right now for you, you know, sc- scour the trade market for starters maybe that have control time. I mean, there are ways for the Reds to, I guess, make a playoff push. Maybe make like a home playoff game for the, you know, being the division winner or something. Like, there are ways to get there. It's just I don't know if the Reds are willing to be spenders that's the issue here because the ownership has proven that or they've said multiple times that they don't really want to spend money so like what they're doing now is just like 
helpful and cool and kind of encourages maybe a little bit of pushing for the offseason. But middle of the season, I can't see them making a big move. And then this is where I think it shifts from, you know, to the teams that you're like, what are they going to do? Because the Padres. Padres have massively underperformed. Juan Soto's going to be a free agent sooner than later. You know, what do the Padres do here? They also have some other names that you could, you know, on their, like, bullpen, on their pitching staff. Blake Snell. That's a name that could go for probably some good prospects, like, they could rebuild this farm system that they kind of gutted to when they traded for a lot of these guys. They can turn the wheels on that. Or do they want to maybe do they want to try and make that push? Do they want to be the you know Braves where they we're under 500 but we make some moves and boom, we're on our way back. I don't know. Um the Cubs Cubs just honestly feel like an unserious team. I mean, they have good players. That's the thing is they they have good players. Kyle Hendricks is you know, a good pitcher that could probably be had for a decent number of prospects. Not not as special, but you know, what do the Cubs want to do? Um, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets have been such a failure this year, and they have to change. And it feels like Buck Showalter is a dead man walking. You know, it's like they're they're seven games under five hundred and they're in three division teams are ahead of them. Not like in the NL, like the NL East, three teams are clearly above them. So the Mets don't have attractive contracts with Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, but maybe you could ship them off for a contender. Like the Dodgers probably would be like, yeah, why not? And then you have the Pirates who have cooled off massively. I remember we talked about them. They were the best team in the NL. They are not that anymore. Then you have the Cardinals, who Cardinals are one of those teams. They have a ton of names that are pretty good. Jack Flaherty, some guys in their bullpen. I can't think of Gallegos, maybe. Um, if they want to offload Arenado and Goldschmidt, just embrace the rebuild. I can't imagine the Cardinals doing that. But, you know, like they have paths that they could start a rebuild and maybe be back to being a decent team in a couple of years. I don't know. And then the Nationals and Rockies, both are kind of already picked clean. Um, Lane Thomas on the Nationals would be a name I'd monitor. The Rockies, I don't know. Uh, Blake Freeland, or Kyle Freeland, I mean. Uh, like, <laughs> sure, names. There are names on those teams, that's for sure. But, you know, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the MLB standing slash, like, who's going to be sellers, who's going to be buyers. I don't, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this trade deadline goes. Uh, just based on like their teams were pretty close. Like outside of the Braves, a lot of teams in the NL, basically from the Dodgers to the Reds, all those teams I mentioned in between there, they're all just about neck and neck. Um, the AL's a little bit more sporadic, but I think they have more like teams that might be willing to try and be competitive, like the Mariners, like the Yankees probably want to make some moves, like. The pathway is there for these teams to do something, and we'll see what they do here in a couple of weeks, so or a couple of days maybe. But before I send you on your way, I do you think we have to talk about the NFL? We have to talk about the trade, or not the trade market, but the running back market. It's a big hot topic right now just because Saquon Barkley, uh, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard did not sign extensions with their teams. And it's one of those issues where I think a running back matters. I don't think it's 
running backs don't matter. I do. I think that's a bad narrative. The position matters. Otherwise, it it literally would not exist at all. Like it would be the fullback. The fullback would just be a running back. But it's not. Teams still use the running back. It's still a valuable position. It's just not as valuable, and the shelf life isn't that good. And you know, it's one of those where. <clears throat> I think you do need a good running back for a balanced offensive attack. I think we've seen teams year in, year out not have those attacks. You know, whether the it's like a heavy running back focused attack or it's, you know, using your running back in some capacity of the passing game, we've seen a team, the Buffalo Bills are the team I'm thinking about, like talking about really here. We've seen the Bills not have a running back that's been, I'd say, top half the league. We've seen that and how it's worked out for them, they haven't gone over the hump. The Chiefs are the opposite of that, where they have a running back that isn't special, isn't like great or anything, but the production that that position had last year was the biggest reason they made it to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. The Jarek McKinnon rise from the back half like trade deadline, like back half of the season, Jarek McKinnon was a touchdown machine. They like, Used him in so many different capacities. Isaiah Pacheco was big for them. And, you know, Pacheco isn't, like, listed as a bookend running back. And it is one of those where it's part of, like, the reasoning against it, too, is Pacheco and McKinnon aren't big-name running backs. Why would you wouldn't pay them, like, big money there? But the running back position still matters to them. Like, it's still a position that has value. And if you have one of those out-of-this-world guys, I think that even elevates you even more. And I think that's, you know, Christian McCaffrey is that guy. Like, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league when healthy, and he's very, like, they're very okay with paying him the money. And I say that as Christian McCaffrey isn't the healthiest cat in the world. He's not. He's definitely not. So people are willing to pay the running backs, just I think, the player just has to be absolutely out of this world, and that's the issue running backs are running into is, like, you can probably find Josh Jacobs in the draft every year. You can Hypothetically, you could find that guy. It doesn't happen all the time, but you could. You could take a swing on that every single year. I think teams do that very consistently. The Seahawks, Kenneth Walker was fantastic for them, one of the Rookie of the Year candidates. They still drafted a running back this year. I mean, it's kind of just, that's the spot of this position. It's just kind of what the daily part of this is. is I do think running backs have to scale back their demands. Like, although I say it is a valuable position, it's not as valuable as they want it to be. And I think they have to lower their expectations just a bit. You know, and... It's tough, I know, that sucks. Like, you're going to lose out on money that a lot of guys before you probably got, like Le'Veon Bell got from the Jets. But you're going to have, but if you keep going down this road, Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard and them, like, you know, you're going to end up like Melvin Gordon, who definitely just never, he just never got the contract he wanted. And he just ended up signing here and there for probably not as much money as he would have gotten if he just signed the franchise tag. And now he's out of the league. Like the argument is so hard to make here, and it's really difficult for 
you know, running backs to really, like Saquon Barkley, who is the pulse of the Giants' offense, in my opinion. But he has a couple ACL injuries under his belt and on a position that can't really afford, you know, spots like that. And I think you can point to Ezekiel Elliott being the prime example of why teams don't want to pay the running back. Todd Gurley is the prime example. Like, it's been a it's been a shift of yeah we can find a guy in the draft probably every year, but also the guys that are getting paid and are fantastic are just not panning out, and their contracts look so bad in hindsight. You know, it's it's like really been a domino effect of the worst possible things that could happen to running backs, and you know I I don't know what to tell them. I really I really don't like. You might just have to settle on a spot where you can earn money while also, you know, living with you're not going to earn the money you want. And I guess it, that's tough, but it's, it's just how this shift has happened. It's how the timeline has just lined up perfectly for NFL teams to have all the leverage against running backs. And, you know, like I said, is it is a valuable position? Yes. Is it the most valuable position? Obviously, no. Might be the least valuable, but that's what it is. But the other guy I do want to talk about, and we'll, pro- <clears throat> we'll probably get more Madden ratings that I was probably going to talk about at the back end of the show. We're going to talk about those on Wednesday, just so, like I said, we can get the content from that. But there was a big signing over the weekend. DeAndre Hopkins... One of the best receivers in the league at one point, the best receiver in the league at one point, finally found a home in Tennessee. And it's one of those I don't understand it. Frankly, I don't really get it at all. Just because I, I, he, like, was really emphatic on like, well, I want a good quarterback in a good situation, and the Titans are a good situation from how they are coached up and how they have been in the running for the division the last couple of years. They don't have a clear quarterback, I think. And they don't have, you know, they don't have that punch that any other team in the AFC has. Like, they they just don't. They have Derrick Henry, who is obviously great, but, you know, it's Ryan, it all comes back to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's not going to go beat Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I I can't imagine him beating those ta- Lamar Jackson. Like I can't see Ryan Tannehill being like outdueling any of those guys in the AFC. I just can't. Aaron Rodgers, it's just like a fine quarterback, but he's not going to be the guy. That, like the DeAndre Hopkins Tannehill duo is not going to be up there in the top of the league at the end of the year when it comes to like winning games and having production. I do think DeAndre Hopkins has a good amount left in the tank. Obviously, he came back from suspension last year and ripped off a bunch of yards. Still managed to have a good year in the like back half, but this fit just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I was more of a fan of him than pa- the Patriots. And I don't think the Patriots are a better situation than the Titans. I mean, I think they're probably on the same level, but I think that he would have had a better supporting cast around him to kind of take eyes off him. And, like, Devontae Parker was there, like, Hunter Henry, Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield. Like there are other skill positions that like it's not gonna be well it's a double team D hop the entire time where the Titans have no other receivers that are a threat as of today. Like could they could Traylon Burks be something? Maybe, but 
going into that, you're not going to, you know, really know because DeAndre Hopkins is going to get all the focus and you're going to have to, you're having to rely on Traylon Burks. You don't want to have to rely on Traylon Burks. If he's good and you can rely on him, that's helpful, but you don't want to, like, need to. So it'll be interesting to see how this really shapes up for the Titans this season. I think it is good. It's a good addition. Like, objectively, I think they get better. But I don't think in the grand scheme of things this is like a winning move. Like you're not getting three extra wins because you signed DeAndre Hopkins. And the Titans Titans have been a team that have taken that swing for a wide receiver, like a veteran wide receiver, multiple times, and it hasn't worked out. Julio Jones is the most obvious recent example. Now Julio was more beat up at his time, like in his career. But still you did that swing and it didn't work out, and especially hurts even more when you did let A.J. Brown kind of just go for nothing. Like, you literally did just trade Traylon Burks for A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown is a top-five receiver in the league up there. Like, you had the guy in the building, and you traded him because you didn't want to pay him, but then you pay a bunch of different guys when they probably didn't need it, and you could have just kept A.J. Brown. I I think the Titans have really (laughs) kind of massively failed this, like, window of winning that they had. Like, the moves that they made after they made the AFC Championship have been just so atrocious and have put them back, I think, significantly. So, And they still have to figure out the quarterback, like, post-Tannehill. Because, I mean, you know they're not sold on Tannehill. They drafted his replacement last year, and they drafted the replacement's replacement this year. So, what are the Titans doing to really prove that they'll be competent in three years? Let's say three years, will they be a winning team? Will they be over five hundred? I don't know, and I don't know. It's it's just a team that I think is in a peculiar position, and they're in a certain purgatory that I don't know that they can get out of this quickly. So, but I think they'll do it for me. I think that like covers most of the, like the big news of like what's coming up. Um, I mentioned the Madden ratings. You know, Madden ratings are stupid. But those people are not like competent, really player evaluators, but they're fun to look at and see like how they rank guys, basically, because, I mean, really, they they came out with the 299s. It's Justin Jefferson and Aaron Donald right now. Good players. I think it's a, probably fair that they're both 99s, but I'm curious to see who else they'll have. But, yeah, that'll do it for me this time around. I'll make sure that you guys subscribe to the pod. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. I haven't posted, obviously, these podcasts on there in a couple weeks now. Um, we'll see if I get back into that sooner than later. But uh, either way, the podcast still goes on, even if it's a little late. But make sure to check out LKSportsTalk.com. Uh, we just did the AFC West, so we'll be doing the NFC West this season, or this week. So that'll be fun to check out. So. Yeah, I'm your host, Luke's Coach of Art, as always, and I will see you guys Wednesday or Thursday, whenever you listen. (laughs) Goodbye.